0: We titled last week's sermon The Greatest Fruit, and that is love. Uh, this week if we can put a label on this, we're going to call this the hardest fruit. And call this the hardest fruit tonight. And I say that this is the hardest fruit because as we looked last week in the church We're to be loving each other, and our ability to love each other grows as we as we continue to love each other. And hopefully it's an environment in which love already exists. But what we're going to see tonight is how you and I are to respond not to love but to hatred. How is the believer to respond to persecution from the world? The New Testament has much to say about persecution. In the life of a believer. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12. Paul writes that everyone who desires to live a godly life. Will be persecuted. It's a really important verse. Everyone who desires to live a godly life. Will be persecuted. In other words, what Paul says in 2 2 Timothy 3 verse 12 is that if you desire to live godly, if that is your desire, which that is to be the desire of every single believer, if you desire that, persecution is coming your way. Living a godly life will draw persecution, it will draw opposition, it will draw resistance, it will draw hatred. Make no mistake, the world will hate you. If you are living like Christ, that is a rule. Like I think when we look at the topic of persecution, it's easy for us to say, yeah, there are people in the world that are being persecuted, but, but we're in America, we don't persecution isn't really here, so it's all good. That's not what scripture tells us. Scripture tells us that if you're living like Christ, persecution will come. Now, it may look different in different parts of the world, but in some form, persecution and hatred comes to followers of Christ. Because the world, the unbelieving world, cannot, cannot love followers of Christ. They can't. Jesus is going to explain that in this passage. The fundamental relationship that the world has towards believers is that of hatred. Persecution will come your way. If you desire to live a godly life. In Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is describing true believers. And he says, he says this, listen to this really carefully. Blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus says that in Matthew chapter 5, it's it's as if he's asking answering a question. Who who are the ones who will be in the kingdom of heaven? Who are the ones that are truly saved? Who are the ones that will dwell forever with God? Jesus answers that question with one word, the persecuted. Because in Jesus' mind, there's no difference between someone who is following him and someone who is going to receive persecution. It's a rule. To desire to live godly, to truly be a Christian, means that you are conducting your life in such a way that you're going to draw hatred from the world. You can't help it. So, knowing that persecution is coming our way, I want you to hear these words from Jesus, that he speaks to the disciples with the disciples specifically in mind, but with the knowledge that everyone who is truly a follower of Christ will endure persecution, I think we'll find these words helpful tonight. Listen to this. Verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world will love its own but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now, They have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. They have done this to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, that is the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the father, he will testify about me and you will testify also. Because you have been with me from the beginning chapter six, verse one, these things I've spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. They will make you outcast from the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think he is offering service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the father or me, but these things I've spoken to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. Jesus looks to his disciples, and he knows what's about to happen as soon as he leaves. When Jesus leaves, all of the hatred and wrath that the world is pointing towards Jesus will be transferred to his followers. More specifically than anyone, it will be transferred to his disciples. He knows that the world will hate them. He promises even that the world would kill them. And with that knowledge of what his disciples are about to endure, he arms them with these truths. And what, the reason I drew your attention to those other passages of Scripture is because what the disciples endured, you endure. Now, it may not be to the same level. It may not lead to your death. But the theme of persecution for followers of Christ is consistent through all of Scripture. And so I believe what Jesus says to his disciples here is equally encouraging to us. So, as we break this down, knowing that persecution is coming to true followers of Christ, I want to give you two reminders for the persecuted. Two reminders for the persecuted. And, and just lest this is unclear, you, you, you could put a mark by the persecuted and just in parentheses write every believer. Every true believer because that's how Jesus understands <coughs> his followers. That they will be persecuted. The world will hate them if they're desiring and living in a way that is like Jesus. Two reminders for the persecuted. Number one, persecution is a reasonable trial. Persecution is a reasonable trial. In chapter 5 from verses 18 through 25, the message that Jesus seems to have for his disciples is that what they're about to endure makes perfect sense. It's reasonable. It's It's logical. Any other way just wouldn't add up, except that the followers of Christ would receive the same hatred that Jesus himself received. Jesus starts to show his disciples why the persecution that is coming their way is a reasonable trial. So, why? Why is it a reasonable trial? Why is this persecution that they're about to undergo, why is it reasonable? Why does it make sense? Why is it logical? Several reasons here. we got lots of sub points tonight. Okay? So the first reason that this is a reasonable trial is that Jesus was hated first. The first reason that persecution for the believer is a reasonable trial is because Jesus was hated first. In verse 18, Jesus says, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. Jesus is giving them Essentially a command here. This is something that they need to know. Remember this. This is a reminder for them. Know you you must keep this in your mind that if or when the world hates you, I was hated first. This is an encouragement to his disciples that they are not alone. You are not alone in your persecution. No, disciple, no, believer, that you are not alone. That Jesus endured exactly what you go through in persecution. He was persecuted. He was hated. Also on that note, that he is fully able to help us in the midst of persecution. All that Jesus suffered on earth, including the persecution and hatred of men gives him the ability to help us as we suffer. He he can aid us because what we go through, he went through. Not only did did he go through it, but but it it could be far worse for us. I think when Jesus says this, there's an emphasis that I received the persecution first. I received the worst brunt of this. So, disciples, you will be persecuted, you will be hated, but I was first. In other words, the disciples, when they're being persecuted, they can say, Jesus went through this. Jesus couldn't say that. Jesus was was the first to undergo persecution for who he was. The disciples were simply persecuted because of their association with him. So he says, remember, know this. That if they hate you, I was hated first. So, first reason why is this reasonable? Because Jesus was hated first. If he was hated, surely we will be hated. His disciples would be hated. Second reason why is this reasonable? Because you are not like the world. Why will you be hated by the world? Because you are not like the world. Look at verse 19. Jesus says, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of the world, I chose you out of the world. Because of this, the world hates you. So Jesus says, look, if you were like the world, they would love you. The world naturally loves the people that are like the world. Unbelievers naturally are are going to be drawn to other unbelievers in a way that they're not to believers. Even, even, Jesus Jesus teaches in, in another place that even... Even a Gentile loves the ones who love him. But, th- but that it's only with Christ in us that we could love our enemies. Similar truth here. Like it's natural for the world to love itself. But you are not like the world. And this is such a fundamental truth. And it's the reason that all of this matters. Why will there be persecution towards you? Because you're not like the world. So, I want to just ask a question here. If there is no persecution in your life, if, you, if you're not receiving hatred, I think what these verses would suggest to us is that you're living like the world. Because if you live like the world, they will love you. It's when you're living in a way that is completely unlike the world then that will draw hatred. That's, that's, That's why Jesus drew hatred. That's why the disciples would draw hatred. Because they were not like the world. And Jesus, knowing that this is to be true of every believer, that they won't be like the world, tells them, you will be persecuted. Because you're not like them. You don't live like them. You don't love what they love. You don't do what they do. This isn't your home. Because it's not, because you're not like the world, it just makes sense that you would be persecuted. It's reasonable. It's logical. It's it's a reasonable trial because you are not like the world. Jesus points out, second half of verse 19, you are not of the world, but I chose you. Out of the world. Just know that to be a follower of Christ is to be different. You're not supposed to blend in. If I can just use kind of the terminology that Jesus is using here, you're you're odd. You're you're weird. And that's a good thing. Like, like You're supposed to be weird. You're supposed to be odd. You're supposed to stick out because you're not supposed to be like the world. That will draw persecution, but that's, that's how it's supposed to be. That's all part of the plan. So Jesus says it's a reasonable trial because you're not like the world, but he has more to add to that. Another reason that this is a reasonable trial is because you are like Jesus. You're not like the world, but you are like Jesus. This is the flip side of the same coin. Verse 20, remember that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So you're not like the world. You are like Jesus, who is the ultimate picture of not being like the world. So, we've already covered that Jesus endured what you endure. What Jesus drives home in this verse is that a master, which is Jesus, is going to set the pattern and the tone for what the slave is going to go through. A slave is not greater than his master. If a master has to endure this, it's it's not reasonable to think that the slave wouldn't have to endure that. If the master is hated, the slave will be hated. If the master is persecuted, the slave will be persecuted. That's what Jesus is saying. You you don't you wouldn't think as a follower of me that you would have it easier than me. Would you? Well, like, like would you have it any other way to think yes, Jesus was hated. But but I'm good. Like, this is not the part where we say that Jesus was hated so that we don't have to be. It's not true. Jesus was hated, and as his followers, the promise is, as we're living as he lived, unlike the world, we will be hated. It's a promise. Because we're living like Christ. Your, your entire goal is to be like Jesus. Like that, that's your job. You be like Jesus. Do you understand all that's wrapped up in that? When we say be like Jesus, Jesus was hated because of who he was. Be like him, you will be hated. Be like Jesus. Jesus was persecuted. So be like him with the full knowledge that in being like him, you will be persecuted. The the point here, I don't want you to misunderstand this. The point is not that to be like Christ you have to be persecuted. Christ likeness is not persecution. The point is that if you are like Christ in the world, you will be persecuted. Christ likeness leads to persecution from the world because you're living like Christ. Because you're not like the world. You are like Jesus. He gives the disciples an encouraging note at the end of this verse. Uh, He he says, if they kept my word, they will keep yours also. uh, Again, Jesus specifically has the disciples in mind in this text, in this verse. Jesus is thinking of the disciples um, when he says, look, they hated me, they're going to hate you. But also the ones that kept my words, they're going to keep your words. You're, you're, You're moving on with my authority. And so what you say, they're going to heed. They hated me. They're going to hate you. But those that kept my words will keep your words. An encourage, in the midst of this topic of persecution, he gives an encouraging note to the disciples. I think this isn't what Jesus is saying here, but like a similar note for us would be, yes, you're going to be persecuted like Jesus. But also, you're not alone in that. There's, there's, there's the church that, that in following Jesus, that, that you are together in this. he's saying to his disciples, look, there, there are going to be people who are going to listen to you. They're going to keep your words. You're not alone in this persecution. Those who follow me will follow you. It's an important reminder for his disciples. Let's jump to our fourth reason. Why is this reasonable? Why is persecution a reasonable trial? Number four, the world does not know God. The world does not know God. And Jesus spends a considerable amount of time here. Uh, Verses 21 through 25, Jesus says, but all of these things they will do to you. Why? For my name's sake. Okay, so why? Why are we persecuted? Look at the end of verse 21. Because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Okay, so Jesus says you will be persecuted for my name's sake. Why? In verse 21, he says, because they don't know God. That's why they're persecuting you. If they knew God, they wouldn't persecute you, they wouldn't hate you, but they don't know God, so it makes sense. In verses 22 through 24, he starts to talk about how how these men and women who are persecuting you because they don't know God are accountable to know God. They are accountable. They don't know Him, but they are accountable to know Him because Jesus has been revealed. Specifically in this text, it's because Jesus has has spoken truth in their presence. He's performed miracles in their presence until they're accountable to know him. The same is true today, though it may manifest itself in a little bit of different ways, that, that all of the world that is persecuting is accountable to know God. God has been revealed. He's revealed through the Bible. Jesus Christ, the message of Jesus Christ is available. They're accountable to know God, but they're going to persecute you if they don't. And so many don't. And what they do is they hate God in their ignorance. They hate God in their ignorance. That's what Jesus says in verse 25. They have done this to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. So, persecution is a reasonable trial. It just makes sense. That to follow Christ means you will be hated. It just makes sense. Jesus finishes this conversation, though, by pointing out a very different second reminder for the persecution. One, persecution is a reasonable trial, but number two, persecution is not a reason for turning away. Persecution is not a reason for turning away. So, while persecution may make sense... While it may be reasonable, persecution and hatred from the world does not open the door for sin in your life, and specifically the terminology terminology that's used in this text. It doesn't open the door or make it reasonable for you to turn your back on God. It is not a reason for turning away. Okay, so a few reminders here. In the midst of persecution, what is Jesus telling his disciples? In the midst of persecution, one, keep preaching the gospel. In the midst of persecution, keep preaching preaching the gospel. In, in verses 26 and 27, Jesus returns and starts to talk to his disciples about the Holy Spirit. And we have to ask the question, why does he return to this? He's talking about persecution, and then he has this, this couple of verses where he's talking about the fact that the Holy Spirit's coming, and that he's going to testify about Jesus. Let's read 26 and 27. We're in the middle of this topic of persecution, and Jesus says, When the Helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me, and you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the helper. It's an interesting note in light of the fact that he's talking about persecution and hatred in which his disciples would need help. They're they're going to need all the help they can get to endure this, though it be reasonable, difficult trial. So Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is coming. You're going to be hurt, persecuted, but the helper is coming. And what does the helper help with specifically here? Well, he says that the helper is going to testify about me, Jesus. And then he says, you disciples, you also are testifying about me. So what the Holy Spirit is aiding with is the spread of the message of Jesus Christ, even amidst the context of persecution. And so Jesus is saying to his disciples, this is going to be difficult, but your task of spreading my name is still your job in the midst of persecution, and the helper is coming to help you do that. He will testify about me, and you will testify about me with his help, the spirit of truth. So... The first message for the disciples in the midst of persecution is keep preaching the gospel. You don't get to stop preaching the gospel in the midst of persecution. You don't get to turn your back on, on your job. Persecution does not open the door for sin. It does not open the door to blow off your responsibilities. It does not open the door to turn your back on God in the midst of the In the midst of persecution, preach the gospel. Also, in the midst of persecution, don't abandon the faith. Don't abandon the faith is the second point. So we transition into chapter 6, verse 1. And Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you, that you may be kept from stumbling. Some of your translations may see that you may be kept from falling away. The term that is used there is, is a term that's often used in the New Testament for a term that we call apostasy. Apostasy is someone turning their back on the faith. And the implication also in the New Testament is that when someone turns their back on the faith, when they deny God, when they deny that which they said they formally believed, that all that that reveals is that they were never saved in the first place. That, that, that their destiny is still hell. Jesus looks to his disciples and he knows that in the midst of persecution, that the temptation will be to turn their back on God. When they are hated for who they are, that the temptation will be to turn away. Jesus says, I'm telling you this so that when you're persecuted, you won't stumble, you won't turn away, you won't abandon the faith, that you'll know that this was all part of the plan. Persecution raises that temptation. Jesus says it's not a reason to abandon the faith. But what are we to do? We don't abandon the faith. Rather, the third thing to do in the midst of persecution is remember Jesus' words. Remember Jesus' words. And he says that in verses 2 through 4. Here's what they're going to do to you. And again, the disciples specifically in mind here. They will make you outcast from the synagogue. An hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think he is offering service to God. They will do these things because they have not known me. But these things I've spoken to you so that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. That's a really important statement by Jesus. I've told you all of this so that when this time comes, you will remember that I told you this was going to happen. I think in the midst of persecution, it's often easy to think that this isn't right. When you are being hated for living like Christ, hated for what you believe, it's easy to think, this is wrong. This is not the way it's supposed to be. I can help you tweak that thinking. This is exactly the way it's supposed to be. This is the plan. This is all part of the plan That Christ has for his followers. That they would be hated. That they would be persecuted. And in the midst of all of that, that they would love their haters and their persecutors and thus declare what Christ has done in their heart. They would continue to preach the gospel. That they would not abandon the faith. That they would remember that Jesus said that this was coming. Look at what the disciples are about to endure in verse 2 going to be thrown out of their call it their place of worship the synagogue, they're made outcasts from the synagogue an hour is coming for everyone, look at this, he just mentions uh, an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God he looks at his disciples and he says people are going to kill you, you're going to die because of what you believe, and not only are you going to die for what you believe, you're going to die from people who think they're doing God a favor by killing you. People are going to come at you with religious convictions to kill you. Again, specifically thinking of the disciples. This is not a promise that you are going to die for what you believe, for every believer. He's looking at his disciples and encouraging them for what's coming. The disciples are going to die for what they believe. Some of them, at the hands of those think they're offering a sacrifice to God by killing these men. Uh, Jesus may have in mind here the, the Apostle Paul. But before his conversion, when he's going about with religious conviction, persecuting the church. But in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit is working to cause the gospel to spread exactly what was promised in verses 26 and 27. So, Persecution is coming. I want to just make a few notes. That as you live in America, where there is religious liberty, persecution is different here than it is in many areas of the world. It's not absent. It's different, but not absent. You are not in a persecution-free zone. What Jesus spoke is true. Persecution in America probably won't lead to your death. You know, It may, it might, but it may not lead to physical abuse the way the disciples were. But it will definitely lead to hatred. It will definitely lead to hatred because because it's logical. That's that first point. It just makes sense. Of course it will lead to hatred. You aren't like them. You are like Jesus. If they don't know God, they will hate you. Hatred may show up in so many different areas in your lives. Maybe being avoided. Maybe verbal abuse. It may be physical abuse. It may be gossip. It may be just not having the friends that you want to have. But all of that is a reasonable trial. It just makes sense. So you will be persecuted. You will be hated. And I want to draw your eyes one place really quickly. Look to verse 21. All of these things they will do to you. Chapter 15, verse 21. All of these things they will do to you. Why? For my name's sake. All of this hatred and persecution happens for the sake of the name of Jesus. So turn over to Acts chapter 5. Next book, Acts chapter 5, verse 41. Acts chapter 5, verse 41. We see the fulfillment of so much of what Jesus prophesied for his disciples, for the apostles, what he told them was coming. I just want you to see... This manifesting itself in their lives. Acts chapter 5 verse 41. So they went on their way from the presence of the council rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for Jesus name. Disciples and apostles of Jesus specifically in mind here who are enduring persecution as the church is spreading in the beginning of the book of Acts. And as they're being persecuted, they're, they're, they're before a council and they're enduring shame and hatred and persecution. And what they're doing in the midst of that is they're rejoicing. Why are they rejoicing? Why are they rejoicing? Because they have the privilege, the, the privilege that they are worthy To suffer shame for the name of Jesus. When the apostles endured persecution, they didn't say, why do I have to endure this? They said, hallelujah, that I would be counted worthy to get to represent Jesus amidst persecution. That is amazing. That they would consider persecution a blessing. Because it makes sense. It's how it's supposed to be that we would represent the name of Jesus and that that would draw the hatred of those that do not follow him.